With the McDonald's app, you can get your favorite thing delivered to your door. So if you were looking for a reason to skip washing those dishes you left in the sink, consider this a sign. Right now, get $0 delivery fee with any purchase of $15 or more, only in the app. At participating McDonald's, minimum purchase excludes tax and service fees. Delivery prices may be higher than in restaurants. Other fees may apply. Not valid with any other offer, discount, or coupon. This is Talking Out Loud, the number one podcast on the internet for Dayton Flyers basketball, always wearing red and being loud. And welcome back to Talking Out Loud, the only program on the internet solely focused on your Dayton Flyers and the basketball doing that comes with them. Flyers a loser last night. George Mason on the road, 50-49. to 49. Stinker of an offensive performance by the Flyers. Pretty much top to bottom. When you take a look at the box score, it is not hard to deduce why the Flyers lost this one. So uh, we will be dissecting the game and turning the page and looking ahead to Fordham coming up here on Tuesday. Not your father's Fordham, Drew, as we have discussed a couple of times. Not last. Exactly. It's not your father's Fordham, but uh, we have a special guest on tonight with me and Drew uh, joining us all the way from, you're going to have to help me with the town pronunciation, but in Germany, it's Chip Mike Selt. Tell me, how do you pronounce the town that you're in? Uh, to begin. To begin. A emphasis See, I, on the to, to oh. begin. They do <laughs> a little, little, little something spicy to it. <laughs> How's your German? Is it? Is, you got, you got uh, a couple uh, of words that you're coming along? Yeah, very little. It's tough, man. I always have my teammates try to help me out with like different phrases and stuff, but it's, it's a tough language to learn. I'll tell you that. Yeah. So like when you guys have practices, does everybody mostly speak English? I would have to assume. Right. Yeah, so our coach, our coaches are Finnish, so they don't speak any German at all. So all of our, all of our practices and like team meetings are all German. But like, let's say we're sitting in the locker room, I'm the oddball out, so everybody pretty much speaks German, and I just kind of sit there and like, <laughs> oh, okay, good, good joke, guys. <laughs> I'm here to hoop, and that's it. <laughs> yeah, I'm here. Yeah, no, but it's been good. My teammates are all cool. They all speak English, and you know, they sometimes mess with me. They'll tell me to say something in German. And it'll mean something completely what they're telling me that it actually means in English. So, yeah, uh, but it's a good it's a good group of guys. That's cool. Um, so we were looking through the uh, the standings um, two games back of first place, 13 and five you guys have had a, a pretty good run at. It. So what's uh, let's you know start there. Like what's what's life like playing basketball over in Germany? And um, it, what's the biggest difference, I guess, with the, the game on the court? Yeah, yeah. Um... I mean, the biggest difference I would say right away is like the attention to detail at the pro level. Um, you know, like these are professionals, no matter how much money you're getting paid. Like it's, it's a really, they put a really big emphasis on attention to detail and like these European games, um, the refing is a lot different. Like you can get away with a lot more stuff. Like for example, guarding the ball in college, you know, you, you would often see hand checks and, and stuff like that here in Europe, you can get away with, you know, a hand check or, or two hands to the chest every once in a while. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that was the biggest thing is getting over the physicality, understanding you're not going to get calls that you think you should get. And especially being American, um, you really like, you really don't get those calls. So uh, <laughs> you just kind of, you just kind of deal with it. Like at the end of the day, like just as cliche, it is just control what you can control, go out there play hard. I mean, everything else works out. So, um, yeah, we, we were fortunate enough to have a, a really good group of guys this year, a lot of young guys, um, kind of all the same age. So I think it kind of helps for chemistry purposes. Um, but we were picked not even to make the playoffs. And right now we're, we're, you know, one of the best teams to, or one of the best teams in the league. So 
kind of, you know, proving some people wrong over here, which is good, but obviously there's a lot of season left. So hopefully we can finish these next couple months strong and uh, get a good uh, situation going, going into the playoffs. No doubt. Yeah. Where was, yeah. And uh, what I was going to ask is, you know, when, when you got over there and you started playing, when did, when did you feel comfortable with the, the game and the brand of basketball that your team wanted to play? Was it right away? Was it, did it take a couple games to get your feet wet? Uh, or, you know, when did you feel like, all right, I got a handle on this. I know, I know what I'm doing. Yeah. I mean, preseason was a lot of like trial and error. Uh, we were trying, we were trying all sorts of lineups, uh, seeing who could fit with who and where this guy can play. And if you can play with this sort of individual. So, I mean, during the preseason, we looked really good. And then we looked really bad at times. Like we played a team and we lost by 50 points. Like it was bad. Like we just could not guard a, a soul. Like it was, we couldn't make shots. We couldn't run our offense. It was, it was really bad. And then there was, you know, another preseason game where we were like, damn, you know, this thing, this team can be, you know, really good. We can compete for a championship. So um, a lot of that was at the beginning of the season. And then, I mean, throughout the season, uh, we actually had some guys who were injured. I think we played one game with seven players. So it kind of made other guys uh, maybe who weren't supposed to have a significant role end up having to fill a role. Um, and they ended up exceeding, you know, their expectations, I think, on the team. So I think that gave everyone else like a, a lot of, con especially the coach, a lot of confidence that, hey, we can play individuals one through 10 on our team and be happy. Like a lot of teams don't have that, that, um, that luxury to do so. Uh, with our team, it, it's been, you know, pretty good. And I think roles have kind of been set in stone and, and guys understand that. So it's pretty easy to go out there and just kind of play. Yeah, I, the one uh, thing about international basketball that I always think is so fascinating is um, the rule that you can swipe the ball off the rim. Have you <laughs> have you started to do that now? Because I was sure yeah, right, yeah. I probably should back up for people that don't know what I'm talking about. So yeah. for listeners that don't know what I'm talking about. When the ball hits the rim in international basketball, it is live. So there's no like cylinder goaltending rule. So if it's bouncing around on the rim, you can go above the rim and swipe it off to get a rebound. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Do, do you do that now? That you, now that you can. Yeah, I am. It's actually it's funny. Uh, at the beginning of the season, I didn't like, you know, you kind of have to get you have to get used to certain rules. So like. Mm -hmm. The, the, there are like, you know, basketball is basketball at the end of the day, but there are certain rules like that. And, and it plays a significant impact uh, on a game. And um, I've done it a couple times. And actually, I think it was a, a couple weeks ago I did it. And it was like there was like a minute left into the game and they were shooting free throws. And it was like I mean, the big free throws. I think we were up uh, like, I don't know, maybe three points or something mm -hmm. like that. And they're shooting a free throw. And he ended he ends up like it bounce on the rim. And I just come out of nowhere and kind of tap it out. Mm -hmm. and if he makes that, it's a two point game that put, I mean, that one point is a, is a huge deal. And, and it's kind of funny, like I'll watch the NBA games and the college games and, and myself, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, if that, if that was a rule, how many games would be different? Like the, uh, what was it? The Raptors game, uh, when Kawhi hits that shot and that, the ball just bounces on the rim a bunch of times. Oh yeah. If you could do that. If you could do that. I mean, that never, I mean, the Raptors never win. I mean, maybe I don't, I don't remember the score, but if he doesn't make that shot or somebody bats it off the rim, I mean, it's a completely different narrative uh, that year. So um, it's a good point. I never it, thought about it, that specific play, but you're right. Yeah. Somebody yeah, came like, in and like, like beat, swipe it off a thing. Yeah, exactly. Especially you get those big seven footers. Like imagine if Rudy Gobert could do that in the NBA, how, how much different the game because I mean, they, they can't right now. So it's just, it's really interesting to see the differences between the international play and like going back and watching NBA in college, it's like those little, those little things uh, can make a big difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So off the court, um, living in Germany, what's that like? You know, what's, what's the town like? Yeah. I mean, I think yeah. you guys have pretty good fan support from what I can tell, but of course COVID's mm -hmm. kind of limited how many people can go to games. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I, I guess you, you kind of had to get used to a, a new small town environment in Germany, but what's it like? What's it comparable to? Yeah. Um, so, uh, here in Germany and our specific area, before I got here, there was some really bad flooding. Um, I, I don't, I don't know the exact, uh, what, what exactly went on, but basically our arena got hit with some really bad flooding that happened in the city. And so our arena actually was out of order for like, I don't know, a couple months. So we didn't play there. We actually ended up playing at like a, another gym nearby, like 20 minutes away from Tubigen. But, um, the city itself has been, has been really good. The fan support is 
pretty drastic. Like you can tell, I know the organization itself hasn't had a lot of success the last few years, but now that we're winning some games and kind of, kind of getting back on the map, there's a lot more pride in, in the team. Um, I'll give you a quick story. I went down, uh, we, we played a game uh, on the road and I did not have a good game. I think I ended up with like five, pow- five points. I think I fouled out within, I think I only played 10 minutes, had five fouls, like not a good game. And I come back the next day, I get a, I get a package and the UPS guy comes, doesn't speak any English at all. Like me and him, we've never had a conversation before. And I come down from my apartment complex and go get the package. And he reads it, Ryan Mike. So he said, Oh, Ryan Mike. So you did not have a good game yesterday. <laughs> I'm like, I've never spoken a word to you. You don't even really speak English. And, and now you, now you tell me when I don't have a good game, but like, <laughs> So I thought that was that was really funny and, and interesting. Like now, now you wanna now now you wanna talk to me when I don't play well. But yeah, he's talking uh, shit now coming out of the woodwork, yeah, man. Yeah, but like there's yeah there's little little things like you go in the city, you get recognized a little bit like that. But um, no, it's been a lot of fun. The city itself, it's a younger city. There's a university there that has I think like fifty thousand students or something like that. So it's oh, wow. it's a pretty good uh area english like pretty much everybody speaks english um every once in a while you run into somebody who doesn't speak uh english and you're just like uh well i'm gonna just walk away now we're not gonna really <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to each other <laughs> not much we can do here. Yeah. yeah yeah so but yeah i mean overall it's been it's been a lot of fun um i'm really enjoying enjoying my time here yeah that's i think i always love asking guys when they first go over there kind of how it is because um, it's always a mixed bag, right? Like um, when I talked to Jordan Seibert about it, just for one example, um, he just said how hard it is because it's, you know, you're not with your family anymore. You have the seven hour time difference that we're dealing with right now being on Zoom on a Sunday. Um, but I, I feel like most guys, at least in those first couple of years, you kind of embrace the fact that you get to live at Europe doing what you want to do. Right. Um, but then I feel like there's the other side of the corner where guys are like, well, yeah, I'd rather be playing basketball in the States and this is kind of a means to an end. So I feel like that knife does cut both ways. Um, and I feel like some guys get too old for it too, where they're just like, I I've been doing this grind for 10 years. Like it's time to go home. Um, but how long is the season? And then I'm assuming you you come home whenever the season's over, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so uh, our season is till uh, our last regular season game is the first week in April, and then after that you have playoffs. So hopefully uh, everything goes well. We're in the playoff picture for a while. We'll probably end up – I'll probably end up getting back to the States mid-May, I'd say, yeah. with everything after the season ends. It's usually like a month, month and a half, depending on how the playoff um, games go. I think it's best of five here each series. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so I've, I've been here since August. I got here the first week in August. So I'll be here a total of, I think that'd be eight, nine months ish. Okay. Yeah. yeah so yeah. E- each league is different. Um, my league was started a little bit sooner. So that's why I got here early August. Whereas like, I know some leagues, um, don't start until like, uh, October. So they'll guys report to camp at like September. So their summer's a little bit longer. Um, you know, instead of, but you'll, but you have to be here until whatever, May or June. So it kind of cuts, I mean, either way you're looking at it, it's usually about eight to 10 months, depending on the league, you'll be overseas. Sure. So, um, for me personally, like last year was a little different, like with COVID and everything, I had some agent issues and stuff. So it, I didn't really get the full effect. And then once I got over here, I played one game, then I got hurt right away. So I, I was thinking it was here for like a month, two months at max, and I didn't really even play at all. So this was like kind of my first taste of living overseas on my own, away from family for an extended period of time. Um, so that was obviously a change. Like there's t- there's some days where you're like, man, I really miss miss my family. I miss uh, just, you know, being in the States, you know, just going, having a cheeseburger at Five Guys or something like that. So <laughs> um you know, just just like small things like that, uh, you know, during the holidays, Christmas time, it's tough. But um, the fact that I'm getting paid to play a kid's sport still at the end of the day, no matter where you are in the world, it's it's a good feeling. So, yeah, don't hate I it, man. I, yeah. You know, I don't have to get a big boy job quite yet. That's what I tell myself. <laughs> yeah, you could push that off as long as possible. Yeah. And no, I, yeah. I feel you there. 
Um, all right. So what is the biggest, like number one biggest difference or like, if you want to say, um, not situationally, but culturally, like what is the biggest difference between living in the States and Germany? Whew. The biggest difference culturally. Um, like when I went to London, really, can't find a good cup of coffee anywhere in London. Yeah, I mean, coffee drinks. is just in Europe. In Europe, it's just the coffee's different here. Like I can't even really drink. Like I, I'm, I drink coffee a little bit in the states, but here, like I don't drink it at all. Like unless you, unless you add tons of sugar and all that creamer stuff, I can't. I can't drink it. Um, I will say, uh, here in Germany, like I feel like people are a little more laid back. Yeah, and I think. Like during the day, like you'll go out to the city, like I get done in practice and it'll be two or three o'clock and you'll go to the city and just kind of hang out, walk around. And there's just always people out like just enjoying, like maybe they're having a cup of coffee with a friend or like they um, are just like, I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes in America we get so caught up. We're always like, go, go, go. Like, yeah, it's always the next thing. Whereas here, I think they do a, maybe a better job about like stepping back and like, relaxing a little bit and like taking a deep breath just like enjoying the moment mm-hmm. um but i don't you know it, I, I don't think i've been here long enough to really and i think it probably depends on which area you're in but like this at least the city that i'm in right now i, I feel like they do a good job of kind of like releasing their stress and just kind of enjoying the present yeah yeah no that's that's a good point <clears throat> i hear that a lot from people just being like oh americans are like we're moving all the time we're going from one yeah. city to the other we're traveling we're working yeah i i totally get that um so let's let's put our our lens on the date and flyers here drew um super stinker last night we all no, i'm not i'm not gonna sit here and say that i saw it coming but i think we can agree drew that the level of play we saw from the Flyers after the VCU loss up until last night, it wasn't necessarily sustainable. Am I correct in saying that? I don't know if I necessarily disagree with that. You, I think you can sustain that level of play. It takes a very good team and a lot Some of could. cohesion. I don't think this team could, okay, is what I'm fair, saying. Fine. <laughs> I'm going to be but, honest. Like, But when you just – the frustrating thing about it is, is that we're so, you know, one side or the other here. We're either – playing awesome and looking like, you know, a top 25 team in the country. And then, you know, we go out and score 48 points against George Mason or, you know, however much it was. And I hated the spot. I said it to a lot of people yesterday. I hated the spot we were in Saturday night game on the road coming off, you know, some really good performances. A lot of weird stuff was happening in the Atlantic 10 yesterday too. It just didn't, you never really, I never really had a good feeling going into it. And the more and more the game went on, you just kind of felt this, this, this isn't going to end well. But, like, to their credit, they they hung in there and they gave themselves a chance to win it at the end of the game and steal it. They didn't, obviously. But, you know, we're, have, we're having a completely different conversation if Amsel's shot goes in. But, you know, they didn't play well. It's not wasn't really an acceptable performance. But it's not one that we should really be all that upset about, I think, because it, we know the game now. It's top four in the 8-10. And we're yeah. still very much in play for that. Yeah, for sure. Ryan, when you guys had seasons like that, and I guess specifically like the what 2019 season where it was like, all right, it was pretty apparent by like midway through the season that playing onto the bubble was going to be almost impossible. So then you're, you know, you're trying to play for that top four seating. I don't necessarily say that it changes your mindset, but you know, can you have the fans appreciate how hard it is to go from week to week in conference play and like get up for every single game. And especially a week like this, when you're going to play a George Mason team on the road on Saturday night, who is, uh, what were they? Seven and seven. Yeah. They were seven and seven yesterday's game brought it eight and seven. And then you come back home and you're playing Fordham, you know, can you speak to kind of the grind of that? Because this is really the dog days of conference play, right? Yeah, no, I mean, it's, I mean, all my years in college, like no matter who you're playing, like, you know, during my time, uh, Fordham was, you know, always the worst team, but you know, there was times where we were, you know, we'd start out the game and Fordham would be up whatever at the first break or the second timeout. And you're like, man, you need to get your stuff together. Like on any, it's college basketball, like on any given night, you can, you can beat anybody and you can get beat by anybody. So I think, understanding that i mean these young guys they just don't know like yeah they might see the record and they're just like oh well you know maybe we can you know take it yeah we'll keep winning we'll figure it out where like in all reality 
sometimes that's not, you know, that's not good enough. You have to kind of fight through that adversity, even when you don't necessarily feel up for a game. Um, like I was telling you guys before, you know, there's some games like, you know, playing VCU on a Saturday night on primetime television, it's easy to get up for a game like that. It isn't yeah. always easy to get up for, you know, the ESPN plus game at LaSalle on the road in January, you know, like yep. it, it, it's just, it's different. I think uh, these young guys just don't, they just don't know. They just don't know yet. So I think it's important that they kind of go through these, these learning curves, you know, as much as a fan, like I'm a fan just as much as you guys are now. And it's tough to watch them lose to a George Mason, which, you know, they're eight and seven or seven and seven, whatever they are. Like they're not a bad team by any means, but you know, Dayton, the, the goal they, is the team know, we should be beating. beating. They expected yeah, to win you know? that game last night. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. You know, so during the, um, uh, the 2020 uh, year, I was going to say, like, I feel like whenever it came out of the gate and it was like, you know, seven and oh, eight and oh, nine and oh, that's when we started to hear from AG in the locker room that you guys were like, don't overlook anybody, don't let anybody sneak up on you. What, can you speak to that mentality you guys had in that year? Because you knew that you were the best team going into every game, but you still had to bring a certain level of effort to every game, even though you were on the road against LaSalle and St. Joe's, right? Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I think, I think it was really important. Like I know, I know I'm going to keep saying this, but like we had veteran guys who've been through that and like, we've lost those close games before. Yeah. So like, you know, like that year we were 18 and 0 and, you know, we won all of our close games and stuff like that. But then those, the year prior and the two years prior, Trey and I, we were in games just like that and we ended up losing them. And yeah. you're on the other end in the locker room, you're like, man, what, what could have been different? You know, what, what could we have done better in practice? And I think uh, we were fortunate enough that the coaching staff understood what the players needed in practice and, the players knew what the coaches wanted us to get out of practice. And I think those practice days are super important. Um, maybe not even like from the physical standpoint, but mentally like going over a scouting report, going, going in a film session, really understanding what needs to be done going into a game. I think that was probably the biggest thing for us. Um, and I, and I just think that these young guys are still getting used to that. Yep. Yep. They are getting used to it, Drew. There, there's a lot of bumps in the road here right now. I know you had a question. Sure. sure. Yeah. And that, well, I was just going to speak to like, you know, the thing with youth is they don't, they haven't had these experiences. They haven't fought through these kind of adversities and really good teams, even when they don't have their best stuff against inferior opponents, they still find a way to eke out wins. And that didn't happen last night. And that's what you just hope that these losses and these kids can learn to get to a point where even when we don't have our best stuff, even when the spot is hard that you can come out and, you know, your experience can take over and help you win those games. And those are, if Dayton wants to get to where they want to be as a program, those are the games you have to win. Those tough, yeah. those tough dog days, a 10 games are games you're going to have to win. But my, my uh, question for you, for you, Ryan is, um, you know, when you, when you lose a game like this, <clears throat> the next practice with coach, is it a lot of like dissecting the game and figuring out what went wrong and correcting it? Or is it, you know, that that was one game. We got another one coming up. We're looking forward to that. Or was it like a nice mix between the two? Uh, it just usually depend how the game went. Um, you know, I, I wasn't fortunate enough. I didn't stay up to watch this game. Um, but if I was looking at it, you know, we only put up 49 points. So I would say he's probably going to have a really in-depth uh, film session with the guys and they're going to go over, Hey, you know, we need to have better spacing or, you know, we need to take, I don't know what the turnover was, but, um, we need to take care of the ball. We need to take care of the ball more, or, you know, let's say they're not getting the shots they want. Um, you know, we need to run more of this actions because this defense is doing this. Like, I, I think it'll probably be more teaching with them and then going out and then executing it. Um, I don't know when their next game is. So coach Grant's never been that type of guy to just really just go out and kill people just to kill them. It's Tuesday. Um, you know, so they have a quick turnaround, you know, yeah, quick, quick turnaround. turnaround. So I, I, I don't see that happening like him just, you know, you know, we got to run our offense for three or right. four hours. You know, I don't, I don't see that happening. I think, especially in this time, time of the year, I think it's mostly film and mental um, because at the end of the day, like they know what to do. They've done it. I mean, they've, they've had games where they've shown like, Hey, we can score the ball or, you know, we can defend just a matter of having that mentality to go out 
even when shots aren't falling, like doing the right things, you know, just figuring out a way to win, like you said. Yeah, and this, the story of the game last night was, you know, it's going to be pretty typical to see a loss with this kind of box score. Like, they did not get the easy buckets that they've been generating when they've had blowout wins, like St. Bonaventure, right? Um, there was a lot of alley-oops, a lot of those just easy buckets in the paint. I think Duran was like 10 for 13 that night, right? So he was just getting a lot of looks around the 10, and his footwork around the rim is improving. So, you know, things are starting to come along. Where That's kind of what we kept saying was, well, Duran's offense has to kind of come along because his defense is already there. And then mm-hmm. you, know, you, you turn the page to George Mason. He hit a, a jumper about five minutes into the game. He never hit another shot the rest of the night. He was one for three. Um, so to only get Duran Holmes three shots, uh, Malachi ended up shooting the ball 17 times. And you can see it. I mean, because they didn't have a whole lot of presence down low, I mean, Blakeney didn't even have a two-point shot attempt yesterday. They start relying on threes. And this team can shoot the three, but when they rely on it, it's not when they're at their best. And, of course, they end up finishing five for 23 from three, good for 21%. Um, so, you know, is that youth? Maybe. Um, I think more, more often than not with this team, it's going to be them not being able to adjust on the fly to what they're seeing on a particular night. And, you know, sometimes you can chalk it up to coaching. Sometimes you can chalk it up to the guys on the floor just not being able to adjust because they want to stick to their game. Um, but backing up just a little bit about this season and those first three games that they lost, three bye games, um, what, what were your thoughts on that as far as – I mean, I know that we don't have to, like, keep beating the, the drum of the, the team's young – but to see them lose those games, what did you make of that as a, a player who's been through those buy games against teams that are, you know, beneath your skill level? Yeah, I mean, I would be lying to you if I said, like, it's okay. Because, like, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah. it's not okay. You know, <laughs> yeah. you can't lose the teams like that, especially at a university that, that have had so much success in the past. And, and you know, I'm recent. I'm a recent player. So like we, we've experienced a lot of winning and stuff. So yeah. uh, to see that those three games at home, it was like, man, like what's going on, you know? Yeah. People um, were like, Oh, they're young. I'm like, okay. Yeah. They're young, but they should be beating Lipscomb. <laughs> yeah. <Right. laughs> yeah. And I, I, I really think uh, like, you know, we keep saying that they're young, but these guys like college basketball is so different than high school basketball. Like, mm-hmm these guys in high school, like you're the guy, like you can do no wrong. You can make, you can do this, you can do that. And then even in, even in like preseason, for example, like even in preseason, you're still not getting the full taste because you're playing the same guys over and over again. You're just like, blah. But then once you get out there and play like other, other, other teams and uh, they have scouting reports and they, you know, they got a game plan just like you do. So, you know, as a young player, you know, sometimes you're not ready for that. And I think that, when they lost that first game, they were kind of like, like blindsided. And I think that trickled on to the, those next couple games. And I think finally uh, they just, you know, so you could tell something just like switched in their head. They just started playing a little, little harder and, mm-hmm. and they were able to kind of get a run going and, you know, basketball is a game of runs and, and, and I think confidence plays a huge part in that. And once they finally got a win, I think that's why they ran off with those games in, in Orlando because they, they had this confidence and they were playing hard and they saw it. They, they were able to experience that. So I think, you know, once they kind of got that little run going, I think it gave them some confidence, but obviously with youth, it's, it's never going to be perfect. So they're going to drop, you know, this game to George Mason and, and lose kind of ones they shouldn't. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was frustrating at the beginning, but it's good to see that like it's starting to get, you know, it's starting to click for some of these guys, obviously, you know, we still got some ways to go. Definitely have a little bit of ways to go. The last question I did want to ask you about Coach Grant was that um, I don't know if you saw this, you know, across the pond, but after the close loss to VCU, again, it was a one point loss. Now they have two losses in conference, both one point. And AG was as critical of the team as, as we've ever seen him in his tenure. You know, he's five years in. We pretty much know what you're going to get from Grant, like publicly on a day to day basis. And I think a lot of fans don't know, like the kind of guy he is behind closed doors. I mean, we do because we're close enough to the program and you certainly do, but he came out after the VCU game and he basically said, all these guys are too concerned with their individual accolades and the need to be more 
concerned with the style of play and dictating their style of play on the other team. Right. And for a guy like AG who keeps everything above the chest, always protects his team. You know, he he's very good at putting up that shield between he the is, team and yeah. the media. Right. Did that surprise you to, to kind of hear him say that? Or, or did, does that really fall in line with AG just getting to a boiling point of frustration? Yeah. I mean, AG's like the ultimate competitor. Like I yeah. thought Archie, like Archie, like when I first got to date, I was like, Archie is like, you know, a crazy person. Yeah, he, he, he'll do, he'll do anything to win, you know? And and yeah. then I met AG and AG's like, he does it in a different way. Like, you know, Archie, he's very animated on the sidelines and he was screaming and yelling and doing all that. Whereas AG, he's like, he, he puts so much preparation into a game. And I think, you know, I think at, at that time when he, when he said those things, he was just kind of, you know, he was frustrated. Like, you, you know, he's, he's, I remember in practice, he's always like, you know, they keep score for a reason. Like, yeah, the, the object is to win the game. It's not to get, you know, 20 points and lose, or like, it's not to get these individual stats. Cause at the end of the day, if you're not winning, it really doesn't matter. Like no one, no one really cares that much. So his biggest thing is like, first and foremost, like we need to win games and, and, and do that kind of by any means. So I think that's probably what just got him over the edge. So he was just kind of caught up to it. And I'm sure he said something to guys um, in practice and after games when they have, whenever they go into halftime and at the end of games and stuff. But um, for him to say that like out in public, um, I think he must have, yeah, somewhat he just got to a point where he just couldn't leave it in anymore. Someone got under his skin for sure. Yeah, yeah that's someone, exactly. Yeah, what maybe I was somebody thinking. said something to him. Talk back to him. I don't know. <laughs> okay, I, I was pretty interested to to get your perspective on that because, like I said, we did an interview or uh, an episode that night after the VCU game, and the the quote came in like while we were recording, and I remember being like, "Holy shit!" Like AG is pissed tonight, man. Just because he like like we had said, he doesn't typically um, air out the laundry like that in the media. So it was, it was eye opening, but then, you know, the flyers rattled off a winning streak. So I guess whatever he said ended up working um, perfect time as we are moving through the program again, joined by Ryan. Don't call me chip Mike. So all the way from Germany here on talking out loud and a great time to remind you that today's episode is brought to you by the Lions and Reynolds team at now Heritage Hill Realty. So if you're looking for a home in southwestern Ohio, look no further than the Lions and Reynolds team at Heritage Hill Realty. They are still realtors you can rely on. All right, boys, you weren't getting out of here without some trivia tonight. So I have some matchup trivia for you. And Fordham's coming to the old barn here on Tuesday. And so with that, I needed to ask you guys about the all-time series of Fordham. This meeting between the Bronx Rams and the Dayton Flyers will be the 31st. Oops, sorry. Hit the music. Uh, 31st in their long series since the Flyers joined the A-10 in 1995. We all know that the Bronx Rams have never won in UD Arena. Never. I say never. So my question to you is, out of the 30 games, how many times have the Dayton Flyers lost to Fordham? Drew, you can start. Three. Brian? Wow. Three? Uh, well, we know one for sure. We definitely know one. <laughs> I'm trying to think. So, uh, that's a great guess. Three is a great guess. I'm going to go four. Yep, Ryan is correct. It's four. 26 and four against Price the right Fordham Rams. <laughs> <laughs> I had yep. to do it to you. <laughs> yep. Uh, at, before the loss last season, the, the next uh, loss before that was in 2006. Uh, I think I asked Charles a little about that one time. Remember, Drew? He was on the show. I don't. I, I, don't, I was going to say that. Like, I obviously remember losing in 2020. I could not remember another time we <laughs> lost to Fordham. It was a long while back. And then before that, uh, Flyers took a nine-point loss at Fordham in 2000. And then in 1996, when they were still kind of in, like, rebuilding mode coming out of the Jim O'Brien era. So four losses all at Rose Hill Gym, and we welcome in the Bronx Rams, who again drew not your father Bronx Rams anymore. Not all right? last. Give the people a, a little walk around the A10 conference because there was some games yesterday um, that were quite interesting, dare I say so. And the A10 schedule yesterday, what had four games on it? Am I right? I believe Something so. Like um, up the uh, the first up the game that, that I saw yesterday that was. Um, eye-opening to say the least was that Rhode Island 
had a home game against George Washington, who is far and away the worst team in the conference now. And they took a two point loss. That'll drop the Rams to three and two in conference. Their losses are now to Davidson and George Washington. But needless to say, that was probably a game that they should have snuck away with. And uh, they overlooked GW. Can't be doing that in conference play. So what else uh, transpired yesterday around the conference, Drew? So Fordham, who is coming into town, gave uh, class of the league Davidson all they could handle. That's true. Uh, 69, nice. Uh, 66 final there. Davidson pulling out the victory. Uh, VCU with a pretty ho-hum, you know, taking care of business kind of performance against St. Joe's, 70-54. And then Richmond beats LaSalle by eight. So that puts in a quick standing check. Davidson obviously still leading the league at 6-0. They have won, I believe, 15 games in a row. Yep. Uh, which is kind of which is wild. Uh, then you've got three teams at two games back uh, Bonaventure, VCU, Dayton, all in that category. URI takes a step back with that loss yesterday to George Washington. So missed opportunity there for them. If they take care of business, they hop us in the standings. Yep. Uh, so, you know, kind of no blood there on that front. Uh, Salu, who knows what, you know, they, lo- they lose to, uh, they had an awful loss earlier in the week. They did. To- <clears throat> yeah, they lost. Uh, to I cannot UMass. remember. They went, UMass, two, that's they went right. to UMass and they lost by six. That's bad. UMass is not good this year. Yeah. So yeah, then you get to Richmond and then, you know, Richmond and below, you get into the George Mason, Fordham, GW, Joe's, Duquesne, UMass, LaSalle, who are, you know, all have one or two wins in conference. Yep. Um, so, you know, you kind of have a nice natural divide of teams that are, you know, good in the league and then the natural divide of teams who are not good in the league. But as we stated, Fordham, definitely not last. No, no. I mean, they're two and three, uh, which is, you know, sometimes they go a whole conference season without winning two games. So they're definitely taking some steps upwards. Um, Ryan, from a player's perspective, was there anywhere that you enjoyed going on the road to, to play at in a 10 play? Uh, I mean, the obvious ones are, you know, VCU, Rhode Island, you know, those games where you're, you know, you're going to have a big fan base. Yeah. Um, I always, I honestly, I always enjoyed playing at St. Joe's. Like it was really, um, it's a smaller gym and when that place is like packed, it gets really loud in there. And in my senior year, when, uh, we almost lost that game, uh, we, we ended up winning, uh, towards the tail end, but oh yeah, uh, that was a really fun, that was a really fun game. And I, I think my freshman year we played and we were, I think like 15 and three or something crazy like that. And they were, I think also a top 25 team. And that was a big time matchup uh, with uh, I forget the guy who was on St. Joe's. He was, he's in the league now. Uh, what was his name? The small forward Benbury? shooting guard. Ben yeah. Yeah. Benbury, yeah. Yeah. That year. And then they had Isaiah miles too. Who's I think in the Euro league now. So um, they had a really good team. So that, that was always fun to play there. Um, yeah. yeah. St. Yeah. Joe's I think was probably the, the <laughs> kind of the under the underappreciated uh, visiting yeah, for sure. I mean, the LaSalle's are spoken for. We, uh, you know, we, we love to dump on Tom Gold Arena here on this show. But uh, I feel like, I don't know, it, it, the, for the A-10's faults, there are some cool venues that we get to go, you know, year in, year out playing at. I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago with the VCU guys that were on. But it, it's really cool that Dayton has been able to kind of foster this relationship out of nothing more than close games with VCU, because frankly, and you guys know, because you're on the program when you were kids that like once Xavier left, there was kind of like this hole in, in the season, right? Because you always had both return trips to Xavier. Um, it was like a rite of passage to watch the flyers lose at Cintas center and then hope for the best when they came back around to Dayton. But um, I'm always curious, you know, like which which ones that you remember fondly from your playing days, because as fans, I haven't gotten to all of them yet, but I always do enjoy going down to St. Louis. We got that game coming up. St. Louis. Uh, Yeah, yeah, not this coming weekend, but next weekend. So I will be in the building for that one. And uh, I like their arena because it's just like huge and wide open. Like it's just a perfect circle. So you can see like Mm -hmm. everybody's face all the way around the, the arena. And I think that makes for a really cool atmosphere. Um, but what can you tell fans about the, uh, like we talked about it earlier on the show, but the Flyers have what drew like 10 games left to go now um, somewhere in that neighborhood. Uh, I mean, hoping of course that they all get scheduled, but Flyers are 12 and seven, 
four and two overall. So I guess they have 12 conference games left if they're going to get to the full 18. Um, you know, how, how does your mindset change, Ryan, at this time of year from, say, you know, non-conference play where you get two games a week, usually have a rest day and then you're back at it in practice for preparation. I mean, what is it like coming down the stretch here? You, know, you did it so many times on teams that weren't winning teams that were winning, you know, you did it from the bench and then in the starting lineup, like what is it like? Is there, is there a switch that flips or is it just kind of, you start to get in the routines and try to stay as consistent as you can coming down the stretch. Yeah. I, I think, um, you know, out of my years that I actually played, um, you know, that one year I sat out, I, it was mostly just, I didn't really have too much input to the team, but the years that I played my junior year, my redshirt junior year, it was one of the, we were kind of in the same boat. We, we, I think we had a chance to get at large bid. We lost uh, a home game to Rhode Island, which kind of, kind of ended that for us. So we, we kind of knew we were going to play in the NIT. Yep. So like, I, I like, I would be lying to you and, and saying like, as a player, you're like, you're like, kind of like, damn, like, you know, like I kind of, it like for me personally, it kind of increased my sense of urgency a little bit um, initially yeah. because you're like, man, we have to like win out. And especially we, you want to be playing your best basketball going into the A-10 tournament because ultimately like you want to play for the NCAA tournament. So you want to be, you know, ready to go for that, for the A-10 tournament. But um, you know, the Flyers, like they're still in a really good position to get, to be one of those top four teams in the A-10. And Definitely. that's a huge deal. Like getting that double buy is is huge like you would much rather play three games and having to win or i i think it's how it works right the first yep. four teams yep. get a double buy yep yep um yep. so getting that double buy is like big time um as a player uh, having to only win three games in three days rather than four or five um that makes yeah. a huge difference so um you know as a player you just try to lock in like on a on a just day by day basis like just try to maximize that day um you know try to keep your routine um, try not to overthink things because it's very easy as a player to be like, man, it's, you know, we're, you know, we're not where we need to be. So now maybe I need to turn into, you know, Michael Jordan or, or you know, do something kind of spectacular. But in all reality, you know, they're, they're, you know, if they would have won, you know, obviously those three games, if they, if they didn't lose those first three games at home, we'd be having a completely different conversation right now. Yep. But exactly. they did. Unfortunately they did. <clears throat> so they're just like the team itself, it, it, like they don't need to revamp itself. I think the biggest thing is just getting a, a consistent effort out of the guys on a, on a, you know, nightly basis. Like that, that, I think that's the biggest thing that they need to try to focus on. I hate to say it, man, because we do, we're, we've been saying it and we're going to keep doing it. It's like, you know, had the flyers won the three by games only, they would have started yeah. the year nine and oh, and they would have been ranked probably like in the top 20 at that time. Right. Yeah. So what I can impress on listeners in that this is really like the only thing that really brings out a, just a smidge of optimism for me is that we're going to have some guys transfer. Right. Already had one. Lindgren the third took off. He's already on the St. Joe's roster, which I was like, wow, that was incredibly fast. What? Um, yeah, what? yeah, yeah, dude, Lynn Greer. So I know you've been out of the loop a little bit over in Germany. So Lynn Greer left like what a month ago, Drew. Yeah, I yeah, know he like changed right around never, Christmas break. I yeah. never figured out where he went. I, I didn't see anything on Twitter or anything like that, dude. So he, they do the announcement. Joe? He, yeah, they, he does the announcement like, oh, I'm hitting the transfer portal. And then I think it was like the literal next day where St. Joe's was like, we welcome Lynn Greer and had like the 48 hours, up. It was 48 like, hours later. I'm like, what? Like, again, you know, hats off to AG for getting him on campus. But I was like, why in the world did this guy ever come to Dayton? Like, I don't know. Maybe he thought he was going to compete for the starting point guard spot. And then when he wasn't, he was just like deuces. <laughs> but wow. to go like, to Joe's is like, I was like, OK. And not that. even like he like in a week, like. Yeah, yeah, just like that. <laughs> yeah, dude. Philly. The wow. the transfer portal is wild, my man. College is, basketball is crazy. Did he play? Uh, I think he had like twenty total minutes for the Flyers, something like that. It was like twenty or thirty yeah, total minutes. I don't. I was gonna say the box scores. He didn't. He didn't play too much. But mm -hmm. so uh, so I know he, he didn't he play. I'm play. saying, can he play for St. Joe's now? No, no, he can't. He no, can't he has play. To sit out. Okay, <clears throat> he can play next I year. I thought so, but shit, shit. Like these transfer rules, I don't like. Who who knows anymore? Yeah, yeah I thought head. I was also the, uh, like under the impression that he was playing in the game. I was like, how is that <clears> even <throat> possible? But yeah, yeah. like you said, the how the transfer rules are now, I wouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> yeah, so that was like the weirdest one this year for sure. 
Um, and yeah, I mean, that's just, that's the transfer portal, but yeah, what I was going to say was that it, it really is the most frustrating part about this season to look back and say, well, if the Flyers were 15 and four right now, even with the loss of George Mason, they'd be on the right side of the bubble, you know, like mm-hmm. their losses aren't that terrible. Um, it, you know, and to be honest, the loss to, uh, old miss was actually analytically worse than the loss we just took to George Mason because old miss has been just about as bad as we thought they were going to be. Um, they're nine and nine right now, and they're one and five in the sec. So it was kind of what we expected. It was like, Oh, you know, when you play a power five, there's a certain stigma around it, but we kind of all knew that old miss was going to be towards the bottom of the sec anyways. Um, but what I'll say, and like, as we were wrapping up the show tonight is that I have optimism for next season because it, it, you know, it will be a get to the tournament or else kind of year, but the guys that come back, I think will be perfectly prepared for the season because correct me if I'm wrong, Drew, but now they have the sample set to impress upon each other, how important every single game is. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it's all going to come down to. And like we've talked, it's kind of been a theme of this episode is when you get into those those tricky spots, you just need to find a way to win. Just like just win, baby. I tweet the Al Davis skiff before every game. Maybe that's why we <laughs> lost yesterday, because I didn't tweet the Al Davis gift. But hey, you're too wrapped up. Regardless, just win, baby. Like that's what <laughs> that's all it is. And that's next year. It's it's tournament or bust. And we'll we'll reiterate that as we move forward and move into next season as well. But there's still plenty to play for here this year. We yeah. lost yesterday. It sucks. But there, there's still plenty to play for here. And that's getting into the top four. And you have proven this season that you can win three games in three days against good opponents. So you mm-hmm. just it's just getting into the tournament in, in the top four. That's, that's what you have to play for. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And the Flyers' uh, upcoming schedule, they have two home, two away, and then two back home. They go uh, home against Fordham in Rhode Island this coming week, Tuesday, Friday. And then uh, the following week, they go at VCU Wednesday night. And then they go at St. Louis on Saturday afternoon. That would be February 5th. Uh, Coming to the end of the program. Again, we always thank Chip Mike Sell for coming on and sharing your thoughts over in Germany. But it is time for final thoughts. And Drew, you can go first. What are your final thoughts tonight? Uh, Final thoughts are that Joe Burrow is really, really, really good. He is. He is. He's really good. I I caught a lot of the Dayton Flyers game yesterday, but I was watching. The Bengals playoff game yesterday. I just wanted to give a shout out to Joey B. Uh, as far as Dayton goes, uh, big one on Tuesday. Get, a get right, a true get right game. I think. It I think really it's is. a game like the most get right game. Like the most get like the. I hope these guys are excited. They get you know get amped up and properly ready for this game. And then my favorite part of the season when Dayton hosts a Friday night game. Thank the gods. Thank them all. Cannot wait for that one. Yeah, yeah. And my dad's going to be in attendance on Tuesday, so don't let him down, Flyers. Come on can't be doing that uh ryan final thoughts for the program tonight no i'm on the same i'm on the same page as drew man joey burrow is is something <laughs> else i stayed up till three o'clock to watch the game last night i was locked in the whole time on my laptop so i'm a you know Bengals fan till i die so it's it's been awesome to see i don't usually stay up too late but you know i had to make exceptions for the, for these past playoff games yeah uh, so Bengals all the way who day nation um but as as the flyers go on um you know, I think, you know, like you guys said, it's a very young team, um, but I'm going to be more of the glass half full. You know, I think they have a great group of young guys, and I think Duran and Malachi are, are two of the best freshman duos that we've seen. In a, and obviously, you know, we had Obi and Jalen and stuff, but those guys are, you know, they're, they're really, really good. They're really fun to watch, and I think each game they're getting better and better. So I think hopefully we can continue that that um stride or that good trend upwards and um yeah i mean they 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 have something to play for this like you said the top four seeds i I like how you pointed out they've proven that they've already won three games in three days so um, if they can have that same mentality i think um you know that should give them enough motivation to finish out the season strong indeed so you guys know the schedule everybody knows what's coming up again tuesday night fordham's coming to the house on edwin c moses boulevard be ready wear your red be loud all that um we're going to close the program tonight on that note again flyers are a loser to george mason dropping him to four and two in the conference 12 and seven overall so they will come home for that get right game against the bronx rams on tuesday night for drew and ryan mike sell 
I am Sully. This is Talking Out Loud, where there are always two rules. You wear red and be loud, and we will catch you next time. All day and all night, my-